Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Okay, bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa ala. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbik ya arhamar rahimin. Ya Allah, we ask you to give us your love. We ask you to give us Give us the love of those actions that will gain your love. And we ask you, Allah, to give us the love of those people that you love, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. Ya Allah, we ask you to allow us to witness the blessed month of Ramadan, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. Ameen. Okay, Bismillah. Um, so we're two classes before Ramadan. And obviously in Ramadan, we're going to take a pause. Um, but we're studying Imam Muhasibi's Risalat al uh, where he gives us so many just gems for our hearts. Uh, in our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, the next advice of Imam Muhasibi is a very important social etiquette. Um, but this etiquette also applies to your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Uh, and it's the topic of husnadhan, or what's titled um, having good assumptions. Um, and there's many levels of that. But first, let's just hear what Imam Muhasibi has to say about this. Um, he says, Qalil Musannif, Bismillah. He says, وَصُدْ عَلَى نَفْسِكَ بَابَ الْمَسْأَلَةِ Okay, so he says, and close the door. Close the door to su'udhan. The su'udhan, having bad assumptions, bad ideas about people, bad thoughts about people. Close that door completely. Close it off. Don't let that door ever open up. Um, there are verses in Surah Al-Hujurat where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ بَابَ ithah." Right, that some types of assumptions are sins. Um, there's a uh, important hadith that I think you should know, which is iyakum wudan. The Prophet says, like, be careful of assumptions. Be careful of assumptions because dun akdabul hadith. That dun is the worst type of uh, the the most like deluding type of speech. Now, this is pretty interesting because what we're learning here, and I'm going to read from Imam Ghazali because he just drops gems on us. And a bit of Ibn Qayyim as well, inshallah. But Ibn Qayyim, actually, he says, this is the definition I really want you to take home. He says, what is su'udhan? What is having a bad assumption? He says, It's to fill your heart with assumptions that are evil. Bin uh, nasi, with people. Hatta until they start to show on your tongue and on your limbs as well. And so what's interesting about su'udhan is su'udhan is so crazy because it leads you down this pathway where where you kind of like 
end up somewhere you never would have ended up at. But it all started from this one assumption that started in your heart. And so what does he say? His advice to us. Let's start with Muhasibi. He says, close the door to Su'idhan. Close it completely. Stop having bad assumptions. And I'm going to teach you a qaida kulia, like a rule you can live by. Here's the rule. If you can't say it out loud, you should not think it. I'm going to say it again. If you can't say it out loud, man, that, that yo, my man's threads looking rough right now. Right? Or I don't know, whatever. Whatever you're thinking, man, his time is, is low. Man, you got to speed up. I don't know, whatever it may be. If you can't say it out loud, because what you have to understand is dhan is another form of, uh, is hadithun nafs. It's just internal speech. And so what we have to understand is if, if you can't, if you can't say it, then you shouldn't be saying it to yourself, right? You shouldn't be saying it to yourself. And so that's what he's really, really trying to protect us from. And I'm going to read from Imam Ghazali, but let's keep going a little bit. He says, Wafta. So close the door to Sudan. One more thing. When it comes to ghiba and backbiting, I think we get the most comfortable and we backbite the most with people that we know very well. Whenever we don't know people, you don't just meet a dude for the first time. Oh, my man, Hood, what's going on? How you doing? Yo, that dude over there looking rough, right? No, you don't do that. It's someone you're chill with. You know what I'm saying? Me and Amin, me and, you know, Yezin, me and Ariel, we chilling. I'm like, yo, man, my man right there. It only happens the closer you get to people. The closer you get, the more frequent you feel relaxed and free. So where do you think it happens the most if that premise is true? At home. At home, the moment you kick your shoes off and walk in, you're like, honey, I got some news for you. And she like, what's the tea? What's the tea? Let's, what's up? What happened? So we have to be extremely, the closer you have a relationship, and I was talking to the Qadim students about this this week. I was saying, those who are your closest with, you need to be frank with them. And be like, yo, bro, sis, we're mad chill with each other. So like Sheikh was saying, we, can, we backbite a lot. We got to be careful. And I had a friend of mine. His name is Tamar. I owe everything I know and have to this man. Long story. Tell you some other time. He had a rule with his wife. Him and his wife. Um, her name is Karima. Right? We actually named Karima after her. But anyways. Karima. She, they had a, a rule. The rule was. We won't even talk good about people not present. Wait. Hold up. That's a little extreme though. Right? What's the reason? Sisters, what's the reason? Come on, somebody. Not rhetorical question. I know I don't do dialogue enough. I'm told I should do more dialogues. So what's the reason? Exactly. Kalam students coming through. Represent. Uh, it starts with good. You'd be like, yo, the sheikh was saying this. The sister, the brother, oh, mashallah, mashallah. And then one person goes, yeah, but you know, done right there. Ghiba opened up. Once one person's opened the door, you're like, yeah, you know, I also heard. There it is right there. So remember, two things I want you to remember. The closest relationships are where Ghiba begins. Why am I talking about Ghiba? Sheikh, we're talking about Su'adhan. Because it's just the external form of the same thing. If you're sitting in the masjid and you're just eyeing people, backbiting in your head, that's just as destructive to your heart as you sitting there saying it out loud. Yes, you don't get the same sin, but there is a level of sin for sure. There is a level of sin for sure. So just the, so the next advice. So what does he say? Close the door of su'adhan. Bi khawf al-mas'ala. 
by fearing being questioned by God. So the main remedy he says is you need to have this uh, cognizance that I'm going to be questioned about these thoughts. I'm going to be questioned about the, these things I'm thinking. So close the door by that cognizance of being questioned before Allah. Then what does he say next? The next thing he says is, and open the door to having good assumptions. How? Learn how to make excuses for people. Learn how one of the best things you can say to yourself is if I was in this situation, I'd probably do the same thing. If I wasn't, because when we're with ourselves, we make excuses. I always use the example, you in Starbucks in this, in the, in the waiting at the drive-thru and the person in front of you taking all day, you getting angry. You're like, yo, the menu ain't changed. But the moment you pull up, you're like, um, I don't know, maybe today. So for ourselves, we have all these excuses. We, we rationalize everything that we do. We know why we're doing what we're doing. But what if you could take that ability to rationalize and justify what you do wrong? What if you could magically, prophetically, I'll say, take that ability and apply it to other people? What type of human being would you be like to be around? Can you imagine what that would be like? So what is he trying to teach us here? He's saying to us that learn how to make excuses. And I'm sure we've all heard this. And I, I mentioned this in our class like four years ago, back at the old campus, uh, when we were studying uh, the, the, the rights of companionship. And the hadith was mentioned about making 70 excuses. And he said in that book, Imam Sha'arani, he said, if you can't make excuses for someone, you, there's something wrong with you. You need to look back. Why can't I make excuses for this person? Why can't I put myself in their shoes and see maybe it's something that happened at home. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they're really forced in this situation. I don't know what it is. But the point is learn how to make excuses for people. And here's, a, here's something I've never read before, but I think it may apply as the same. The people that we backbite most with are close family members. But what about our su'udvan? I also feel that it's when we get closer to people, we lose the ability to make excuses for them. As we get closer, we're like, no, nah, I know that dude. He could have did this. She could have did this. Uh-uh. I ain't buying it. No, learn how to make excuses for people. Try your best to make excuses. Why? Because we want to let everyone off the hook. We want no accountability. Uh-uh. There's another reason. Who can tell me? What's the reason? Why am I making excuses for the next person? Not rhetorical. I'm trying to have dialogue here. Isa. Oh, I didn't think of that. Because we want to say, he said, they make excuses for you. You see me doing something. I hope you can assume the best. I hope you can make an excuse for me. You know what I mean? But but I was pointing out what Dunya was saying. Dunya was like, what if it's uh, my own peace of mind? My own peace of mind. Because, because what happens, mental real estate, which is a theme of this halakha, what happens is once you get the habit of seeing faults, you can't stop seeing them, yo. Now, the hadith of the prophet is so profound. Why? He said, as I already mentioned, that it's the akhzabul hadith. Akhzab, what is kithab in Arabic? It's a lie. Akhzab is, is like the most lying form of speech. Now, here's the pro pro problem. You ever had to do a research paper and, and, and you had a, th a thesis that you came up with, right? 
You're a genius, mashallah. I know all of you are so, mashallah. Right? You had a thesis, you had this idea, and you started researching. And everywhere you looked, you saw confirmation of your thesis. Right? No? Am I the only one? Right? You know where I'm getting at, Ustad. You saw confirmation of your thesis. What's that called? Confirmation bias. Which is once I think something, now every single thing you do is just working to conform, to confirm exactly what I thought. So now I have this idea, such and such thing about such and such. They walk in late for, for a prayer. I'm like, see, told you. You know where you're coming from right now. How do you get that? Everything you see starts to confirm. And that's why they say, and if you're doing real research, you should actually research the antithesis to what you're trying to prove. You should actually start from the other way. Start by searching things to disprove you and then see if your theory actually holds up, right? So th this is the problem. And I want to share some thoughts from Imam Ghazali because Imam Ghazali has a method of breaking down these, these diseases of the heart at such a deep level. So I'm going to read the Arabic and translate it as I read it. He says, He says, First thing, first, bad assumptions is straight up haram. And look what he says, just like bad speech. Just like bad speech. So the same words that were bad to say are the same words that are bad to think and repeat to the self. The same way that speaking with your tongue, the same way that speaking with your tongue about another person is haram. It is not allowed for you to speak to yourself. Nafsaka. And to have a bad assumption about your brother or your sister. He says, and I'm not referring to, I'm talking about when you in your mind are convinced that such and such person is a liar, is a cheat, does this, does that scandalous thing, whatever it may be, you are convinced of it in your heart. He says, Now this is the mercy of Allah. As far as the fleeting thoughts that come, Come on, we're human beings. Let's be down to earth. Let's be real. Who here doesn't get a thought that passes their mind and it was a negative thought? You would never speak that. Come on, there's no angels in here. So he says, Amal Khawatir and Wahadithun Nafs, That's forgiven. Something comes to your mind and you're like, Astaghfirullah. Astaghfirullah. What are you thinking, bro? You check yourself. You're like, Astaghfirullah. What am I thinking? Alhamdulillah. It came, it passed, you let it go. The problem is when you sit there like, huh, I don't know, maybe. That's where you get sent. That's where it's dangerous. He says, that's all forgiven. Then he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, and we talked about this verse last week, oh, you who believe, stay away from much assumption because some assumption is, um, is, is, is wrong. Now here's where Ghazali drops gems on us. He says, now listen closely. He says, the reason why it's haram is anna this is such a blessing for you. This will be the cure for you whenever you get those negative thoughts. This thing I'm about to share with you right now will be how you fight off the thought. He says, anna asrar al the secrets of people's hearts. No one knows them except Allah. The secrets of people's hearts, no one knows them except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So, so hold on. Let's stop right there. This person did something or you think they do something, right? But do you know what their heart does every night? Do you know what their heart does? I, I knew a brother who did a lot of ihsan on me. And when I was young in my deen, I was very, I was a convert, very zealous, okay? And so like there was a sin that this brother was caught in and we're, we're close again, all that close stuff, right? I didn't backbite him, but his brother-in-law came to me one day because he just knew me tight. And he said to me, he said, yo, Mikayo, you know what you call it, right? I was like, yeah. He was like, my sister tells me every single night, 20 minutes on the prayer rug, this man weeps. Every single night, 20 minutes on the prayer rug, this man is weeping because of that sin he's caught in. Here we are judging people. How you know what that person's doing at nighttime because of that sin that they're stuck in? And you all judgy about it. So, so, so this is the cure. This is the cure. How do I solve this? You say to yourself, how do I know how they spend their nights before God? How do I know what's in their heart when they're saying, Ya Allah, I'm weak. I wish I could, but I can't. I'm weak, Ya Allah. How do you know? And here you are judging when you don't even know where that person's position is in the sight of Allah. I'll share one thing and we'll read more of Ghazali. Scholars say that Imam, that, that Umar ibn Khattab, we all know Umar, right? But there was a time when he was a mushrik, right? Scholars say that Umar was loved by God even when he was worshiping idols because what he would become. Here you are judging Umar. Oh, look at him worshiping idols. He's about to become the third Khalifa, one of the best of the believers. How do you know what a person is going to end up at? And how do you know where you're going to end up at? You don't. So please focus on two things in order to fight this thought. Number one, I don't know what they do in their heart. Number one. And number two, and this is the best one, I don't know how I'm going to end up. I don't know how I'm going to end up. I don't know my state. Am I in Jannah? Am I somewhere else? I don't know. You don't, who, who knows that? None of us know that. Let's go back to Ghazali. It's beautiful advice for us. He says, he says, So you don't have the right to believe to believe regarding someone else evil. Except if you saw it with your own eyes, you heard it with your own ears, and then it came into your heart. But so much of what we get is he say, she say. Came from this person and that person and this person. You know, telephone, switch it all up. Me and my kids play telephone. Stuff don't even come out the right way. Don't even come out the right way. So you get this thought in your head, either from shaitan from the beginning or from some other shayateen al-ins, human shaitan. We all go through that sometimes. And it switch, 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 switch. And here you are formulating an opinion, a hardcore opinion based on something that has no basis. And then he says something else. He goes further, just a little bit more on this topic. He says, you see something with your eyes, la that you cannot at all like uh, interpret in a good way. So even when you see it, you're like, nah, like, nah, uh-uh, nah, like something's up. You know what? Let me give you an example. I hate to bring, bring fiqh in, right? But just, it's an example for example's sake. Like we all know like drinking alcohol is haram, right? And there's like a punishment for that, right? Okay, cool. Um, so the books of fiqh say if you, if someone comes with the smell of alcohol on their, on their mouth, the judge takes that as no evidence, nothing. 
How you know he ain't slip and fall? Fall in some alcohol. How you, the books say, how you know he wasn't gargling with it? You don't know. So the point is, even in that state, Islam is teaching you to expect good from people. And that, that's what I want us to focus on. What is husn al-dhan? It's the expectation of good from people, not the expectation of bad from them. It's the expectation. And some of us have been let down so much by people in our lives. It could be our father. It could be our mother, an older brother, an older sister. Some of us have been let down so many times sitting there waiting on the curb for pops to pick you up and he ain't show up. Know what I mean, I've been through it. I love him. He's a great man. Alhamdulillah. Some of us have been let down so much that we've lost hope in people. And so now we can't help but expect bad from people. And that, brother and sister, is the thing you really need to fix in your heart. That is the, something the prophet never lost. He was an orphan. He was left alone. Mother left him. Father left him all by death, obviously, by himself. But he never lost hope in people. And that's what we have to have. Always have hope in people. So he says just a little bit more of Imam Ghazali. He says, فَأَمَّا الشَّيْطَانِ He says, Shaytan, yulqi ilayka. He will put stuff in your head. فَيَنْبَغِي and to كَذِبْهُ You are a liar, Shaytan. I am not listening to you. I know that's you because that ain't right. I ain't supposed to be thinking that. Uh-uh, I'm fighting it off. I'm pushing it away. Because he is the worst of all sinners. And Allah says, when a sinner comes to you with news, you better verify it. This is a verse. You should verify it first before you act on it or you will end up doing something you do not like to do. So one more thing from Ghazali. He says, know that su'adhan, having bad assumptions, will lead you to spying on people. That's haram too. Now you're going through people's feed trying to see who they liked, trying to find a thread, trying to connect dots. Astaghfirullah. What are you doing? What are you doing? Subhanallah. لا يقنع بالظن. It doesn't stop at assumption. What does it lead to next? I got to verify. I got to check it in. I got to verify it. I got to make sure this is true. Now you got to spy. You got to go through the thread. You got to check for receipts. بل يطلب التحقيق. Then, and that's haram. And then the next thing you do is now you move to the next haram, which is Muslim, removing the veil of a Muslim. This is beautiful. All of us are sinners. Every single person in this room is a sinner. We've done sins that if everyone knew, they probably would be like, you can't come in this masjid, yo. This ain't a spot for you. And every one of us has them. Every one of us. God covers us. And the, the cover is so beautiful. One of my teachers, he was like, you know how weak we are? If a little bit of this skin is moved, then, then you don't even want to come to Halakha no more. You'd be like, man, I'm staying at home. I watch online. That little bit of cover Allah put over makes you like, I'm good. I can go out. But the, the cover of your sins is even better. God covers our sins. He covers them. What we're not supposed to do is ever expose what God has covered. And by the way, there's a hadith that says if God covered it in the world, he's too shy to expose it in the akhirah. Hold up. Did y'all hear that? If God covered it in this world, then God is too merciful to then expose you in the akhirah. And that's why you always hide your sins. It's not hypocrisy to hide your sins. God covers it. So why, why do we bring that up? Because now you, you have this done, this thought. So now you be like, I got to make sure this is true. 
So now you start removing that that veil that God has put over people and covered them from the sins that are between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So again, one more thing. Let's go a little deeper on this topic. Husna done is not just with people. Remember how I said it's a social thing? It helps you with your relationships. There's also another relationship that we have to have husna done with. Who knows what that relationship is? Allah, exactly. See, we're doing this dialogue thing. We're doing it. We're vibing, yo. We're vibing. Okay. So listen, when it comes to your good deeds, everyone, especially with Ramadan coming, everyone must truly be convinced and don't let shaitan get on you that Allah loves what I'm doing and will reward me for everything that I'm doing. This is husna dhan regarding your good deeds. Some of us are very pessimistic with ourselves. It's like, no, I didn't do enough. No, I didn't do enough. No, I didn't do enough. And that's a good feeling. But when it debilitates and it stops you from progress, then it's not a good, a good uh, uh, thought to have. Right? When you think negative of yourself and it motivates you, that's good. But when you think negative of the self and it makes you stop progress, then that's a negative thought. Does that make sense? So when it comes to the self, now what I'm going to say is going to sound like I'm contradicting, but if you've been following me, it won't contradict. The place for su'adhan is to apply to yourself. The place for husnadhan is for other people. Does that make sense or no? You feel me? So, so what do I mean by that? Should I just be so negative with myself that, oh, I'm horrible. I can never do good. Da, da. No, that's going too far. But should I be suspect of my own good intentions and things like that? Yes, I should check myself. Now, with other people, husnadhan, first thing. Now, with my bad deeds, though, with Allah, with Allah, this is a little harder question. I want y'all to help me with this. With my bad deeds, my sins, what is, what is husna done? What is having a good assumption with God regarding that? He'll forgive it? Okay, if I repent. So here's the thing that's important. Husna done with Allah can end up into delusion. You're not careful. What do I mean by that? You are just sinning. You don't care about Allah. Your relationship is distant. And all you keep saying is, He is the most merciful. Wait, but you're not doing anything for that mercy. You're not acting for that. That's called su'adhan as well. They say husnadhan is when Ibn Qayyim says this. If you got land, right? Some of us like to garden, right? The season is coming now, finally right? Uh, you like to garden. You either have a good assumption of this land being fertile or you don't. But if you have a good assumption, what do you do? You bring seeds, you bring your tools, you water it. Your good assumption is what leads you to do those deeds. A bad assumption, you're like, ah, if it grows, it grows, whatever. So the idea is our bad deeds as well. We should not let our husna done, good assumption of God lead to us to a level of delusion where we're just like, oh, I can do whatever I want and I'm good to go. So there's a balance, and I hope you were able to pick up that balance from me, inshallah ta'ala. Okay, so going back to Imam Muhasibi, what does he say? We talked about su'udhan. We talked about how it leads to you just down this rabbit hole of like thoughts that are completely false. We, we talked about how it leads to confirmation bias. You just start seeing everything that's going to affirm everything that you just thought. And the Prophet called it the worst, the most lying form of speech. And the rule that I wanted you to leave today with, if you can't say it out loud, you shouldn't be thinking it. If you can't say it out loud, don't think it. Now, if it comes quickly, just say it's tough for luck, keep moving. 
But once you start playing with the thought, then know that shaitan is there with you. And that's what you got to protect your heart from. Why are we doing this? So people get off the hook. So there's no justice. So there's no accountability. No, this is just for your heart's goodness. This is to keep your heart clean. And so that you don't become a person addicted to finding faults in people. It's for you. It's not for the other person. Fahimtum. All right, let's go forward. His next advice. His next next advice. And he says, and lock the door to greed. The word Arabic, it means to want more. Just want more. To be insatiable. You cannot get filled. It's interesting because if you look at the Arabic word, all of the letters in the word are called mujawaf. They're hollow because it can't be filled. And that's the nature of greed. The more you get, the more you want, right? And, and we see the lives of very, very affluent people that are just acquiring more. And we're like, dang, if I just had like five, 2% of what you have, I'd be good. But the Prophet Sallallahu taught us the truth. What did he say about the valleys of gold? Who knows this hadith? If the Prophet Sallallahu had two, the Prophet said, and please write this hadith down or memorize it because it's for me, it's a mantra. This hadith is a mantra. You know what I mean by mantra? Something you recite to yourself to keep you going. We use this in different activities in life. <laughs> okay. Okay. So mantras keep you going, right? Hadith for me, sometimes you use them as a mantra. Let me give another one. You know, another mantra hadith, if the entire creation gathered to harm you, they can never harm you except for what God wrote for you. And if they all gather together to benefit you, they can never benefit. That's a, that's a mantra hadith. That's a hadith you read like every other day because you forget. So this next one is one of those hadith. Write it in English if you need to. Okay. I used to, my mother, man, um, Allah bless her, man. Beautiful woman. Inshallah. Um, she used to write all these like things on the mirror, the, the bathroom mirror. And I used to be like, mom, yo, this look crazy, yo. But now here I am like, like posting stuff up everywhere. Like I need to see this. I need to see it. You know, Allah bless her, man. So uh, she used to do that a lot. This mantra, what's this hadith? If the son of Adam, that means me and you. Sometimes I get into this state where I want more. And I'm like, man, but I can't get more. That's where this hadith reminds me of something. If the son of Adam had two valleys of gold, then he would want a third. Now, it's, it's amazing because all of us are in our mind are like, if I had one, I'd be good. No, you would not. If you cannot be happy with what you have today, you will never be satiated. I don't care how much you get. That's the rule you need to say myself. If I cannot be happy with what I have today, then no matter how much more I get, it won't solve. Because the issue isn't things. The issue is me. It's me. That's the problem, not the things. So remember this hadith, write it down. Now, the funny thing is the end of the hadith. I mean, what's the end of the hadith? Beautiful articulation, the Rasul. He said, and the only thing that will fill your mouth is the dirt of the grave. Like, in one moment, it means to fill you. But at the other moment, it's like, you only be filled when you're dead. Meaning that desire. What, 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 what does that do for you? Knowing that hadith, what does that do for you? Non-rhetorical question, I'm serious. There's been a lot of interaction today. No, what does that do for you mentally? 
knowing that I can't be satiated. Huh? So one of the things about Fama, they say the solution towards it is to realize how exhausting it is. How ex you remember that story about the dude who's fishing on the bank? Y'all know the story? Oh, like, so there's this dude. I don't know. It's probably not true, but whatever. There's this guy fishing on the bank, right? Just on a Sunday morning, fishing, right? And some guy sees him catching fish, you know, and he's business-minded. You know, we meet those people, alhamdulillah. So he comes over and he's like, yo, you should incorporate, yo. This is a great spot you got here. Let's, yo, let's make this bigger. So the guy, he's smart, shrewd man. He goes, then what we would do? He's like, then we'll hire some more fishermen. They can set up here and then we export it. You know, we ship it around. He's like, okay, then what? He's like, oh, well, then you'll have a good income. You know, you'll be able to do what you want, do go where you want. He said, like, okay, cool. Then what? He's like, then you can do, take vacations. And he's like, what would I do on vacation? He's like, you could go fishing. He's like, I'm fishing right now. I'm fishing right now. So like that, I, I don't know where I heard this from. And I think I even heard it before Islam. But it was just like, subhanAllah, the rat race. The rat race, man. The rat race. And that's why the Prophet said him, he said, if you have enough food for today and your body is healthy and you have no worries, you have the entire dunya. I'm going to say that again. You have enough food for the day. Your body is healthy. You have iman. You, you are a king and a queen. You have everything. And it's just something you just got to keep remembering. So what is this hadith? What is he talking about? Greed and constantly trying to get more and more and more. And I know we heard this talk before, but again, for me, this is something that it just creeps up every other day. I'm like, I'm catching with the Joneses. What is it? Keeping up with the Joneses? Keeping up with who the Joneses? How did that start? <laughs> looking to the left, looking to the right, looking to my neighbor. What you got? Alhamdulillah. I got an Elantra. I'm cool. Whatever. It's all good. Got good mileage, yo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Stop looking to the left and to the right. No matter what, if you're not happy with what you got, that Tesla ain't gonna make you happy. But if you were happy with the with the what we call the hoopty, remember? That? <laughs> no, man, you remember the word hoopty? Okay, these young bucks don't know it. Okay, if you were happy with that beat up car, the the Tesla will be good for you. But if you weren't happy with that joint, remember the dolphin car, y'all? Okay, khair, inshallah. <laughs> Chilling too much today. Okay. So he says, close the door of greed. Yesi is when you lose hope. So what does this mean? It's kind of weird. Close the door of greed through hopelessness, like losing hope. What I understand from this is, and it actually comes from a hadith. The Prophet said, become completely hopeless for, from what in the hands of people. What does that mean? Whenever someone has something, metaphorically speaking, has house, car, this, that, whatever, we start to look at it and we want it. We want that thing, whatever it may be. The Prophet's hadith is teaching us, like, cut that out. Cut that thing from your spectrum of desires. Like, I don't want that. That's not for me. That's for you. We build hopelessness from the thing that's in other people's hands. So Imam Ghazali gives us four ways to cut off your greed, your tama, your nonstop desire for more. You guys ready? Number one, number one, live in moderation, live in moderation. There are so many ahadith that talk about 
half of your livelihood is good economics. So you need to go through all of those monthly subscriptions and start checking some of those off. Where's your money going? The prophets I said, I'm taught is half of livelihood is good economics. And unfortunately, some of us are really bad. Well, it's a lot of people from different places around the world. Y'all are known to be good with money. So, but anyways, so nonetheless, the point is be careful about your expenses. The prophet Sai Salem taught that. That's the first thing towards cutting out greed. Number two, um, this is Ghazali speaking. If you have enough now, then don't worry about tomorrow. Now, this doesn't mean ruin tomorrow. The prophet didn't even allow a person to give sadaqah who he thought would be begging the next day. This doesn't mean waste tomorrow. It means don't worry about tomorrow. Don't I don't know if my boss is going to flip and fire me tomorrow. I don't know. But I ain't going to sit here and ruin today thinking about tomorrow. I don't know who will get hired and, and replace my boss. I don't know. But am I going to sit here and run down that whole rabbit hole thinking what could happen tomorrow? Uh-uh. I have today. I'm focusing on today. I don't even know if I'm going to be alive tomorrow. Focus on today. That's what he teaches. He says under this one, but no, there's something working against you. Are y'all ready for this? Shaitan constantly scares you about being poor. You're going to be broke tomorrow. You're going to be broke tomorrow. You're going to be broke tomorrow. I told y'all this once and I'm going to say it again because it's so beautiful. The baby in the fetus is getting food just through the umbilical cord. It does nothing. It sits there and it's like, I want ice cream. And mama's like, I guess we want ice cream. And then papa's like, I guess I got to go get ice cream at 12 o'clock at night. From this one fetus's desire. This baby comes out. The moment it comes out, breast milk is there. It wasn't there the day before. The mother's here, no. Miracle from God. The moment baby comes, all of a sudden, production. Production, production, subhanAllah. Baby's sitting back like, wow, I, so on, on call, yo. The baby grows up, three years old, five years old. Daddy's breaking his back. Mama's breaking her back at work to feed this child. All the baby sees is food coming in the house. Didn't do anything. But slowly, slowly, as this baby gets older and older, out of nowhere comes this thought, where am I going to get food from? The one that was providing you when you couldn't even lift your neck will provide for you now too. That milk came, you didn't ask for it. That umbilical cord was bringing food, you didn't ask for it. When you were five years old and your mom and daddy were busting their back to make money and provide for you, you didn't do anything. You think God is now going to just let you go? No, exactly, exactly, exactly. So Shaitan will tell you, oh, you're going to be broke tomorrow. Allah's like, Look at what I've done for you. How'd you get here today? How you get here today? You got a little extra over there. You know what I mean? We, you good. Allah is taking care. So we ain't getting my jokes. So all good. Okay. <laughs> the next thing. The next thing. Number three remedy for greed and just wanting more is what sister said over here. You got to know the, 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 um, the harms of greed. It, it, you just work so hard. And there's a hadith I wanted to share with you. Beautiful hadith. If I could, I'd say it again, a mantra hadith, but khair. listen to this. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Gabriel has told me and placed in my heart these words. Here's the words. 
Laysa min nafsin tamut. No soul will die until it finishes off its sustenance. You ever think for a moment, you ever like been eating? Maybe I'm just weird. But you ever like been like drinking a soda and trying to get those last drops, but you can never get those? No? The soda. I know we don't drink soda, but you get my point. I be quiet. Health, health people. You drink it, right? And then when you really try to get it, it comes down. You know, no. Then you know what I'm talking about. Well, you know what hits me? There was a whole glass of that soda or about a, a, a can of the soda. My wife is looking at me like I'm crazy. Okay. There's a whole bottle, a, a, a can of the soda. But that one drop wasn't written for me. I couldn't get it no matter what. Do you, you get what I'm trying to say? Like, it's amazing how God, Allah, separates our riz. Like, I couldn't get that. I even tried and I couldn't get it no matter what. To me, it's just a reminder at that moment that what's written for you to consume and to enjoy, you can't run away from it, but you can't get it if it's not for you as well. SubhanAllah. So he says, no soul will die until they have completed what is written for them. Now, here we go. A little bit more. Fattakullah. The hadith continues. It's still the same hadith. So, so the prophet then says, so fear God. And beautifully seek out what you want. So, so the beauty is this. If we're too extreme, like tawakkul, we become lazy. Right? But if we're too extreme independent, we worry too much. Are you with me? If you are too tawakkul, you don't tie the camel. You just, like, God will take care of it. Right? And your mom's like, yo, go to school. Get good grades. You're like, God will take care of it. I heard the khutbah today. Right? She's like, no. That whole debate. So, so the beautiful part is know what's written is coming. But then how do we fight that so that I don't become lazy and become complacent? The prophet says himself, beautifully, jamal, jamal, beautifully seek out what is what you want. And then he says, and do not let risk the, the delay in your risk force you to seek it through haram. Do not let the delay in risk, by the way, your wife and your husband, that's risk too. Do not let the delay in your risk force you to seek it from a haram way. It's coming. It's coming. You can't force it to come. It will come. Your job is to seek it out beautifully and never ever go to haram to make it come faster. This is just a beautiful hadith. The last advice for someone uh, that is trying to fight this uh, agreed wanting more and more Ghazali says is look at the lives of those who are just the children of dunya uh, of the world materialistic people always acquiring more and compare them to the lives of the Anbiya like look at the peace and serenity in the life of Muhammad uh, with so little that he had compare those and you yourself will come to the conclusion yeah I don't want that I, I want this I don't want that I want this and open the bab, the door of ghina, ghina uh, to be rich. And it just means to be without need by being content. And we talked about contentment um, and how it's something we just, it's a kanz, it's a treasure itself. And I, I really feel, I said this four halakas ago and it resonated with me and I think with you, which is you may be okay with a salary of 50 or 50, 60 or 70, Right. And I'm sorry if my numbers are way off, but whatever. But just because your peoples are making 
a lot more, you're like, oh, I'm not having enough. But in reality, if you weren't looking at them, you would be cool. Let me say that again. I was talking to someone recently about this. Um, you are okay. Like, I don't really want all that, but I don't want to look bad in front of other people. So now I'm, I'm faking it, not for me, but for them. Find your sweet spot and be there, yo. Find your sweet spot and be there. That's it. Alhamdulillah. Last advice for tonight, inshallah. He says, وَحَصِّلْ أَوْقَاتِ And grab on to time. Grab on to time. وَأَعْرِفْ مَا يَذْهَبُ بِهِ لَيْلُكَ وَنَهَارُكَ I actually took a screenshot of this and put it as my screensaver because it was so profound to me. He says, grab time. وَأَعْرِفْ And know مَا يَذْهَبُ بِهِ لَيْلُكَ وَنَهَارُكَ And know how your days and nights go away. So the word dahab in Arabic is for gold, right? Gold. But the word dahaba also means to, to go. And I, I think it's beautiful because as time goes, there's a value to time that can't be replaced. Can't be replaced. He says, know where your time goes. I said this before, but guys, if a non-Muslim walked into a masjid, this masjid is digital, so it's all good. Time is like so central to a masjid. All those clocks on the wall. It's so central to us. The Quran over and over. Time. And the point is that time is life. It's your rasul mal. It's your capital. It's your capital. One thing I'm going to share with this. Realize the infinite potential in every moment. Hold up. This, this moment right now is passing. We're all experiencing time as it passes right now together it's beautiful actually right but it's not fleeting if you spend it the right way what do i mean if we all and this is a gathering of a vicar in itself but if we all sat down for this moment we're just like subhanallah one time we know from the prophet so them that there's a a reality to that moment in time that we just said one thing the prophet said a tree in jannah a, a level in jannah whatever it may be what I'm trying to highlight to you is that when we leave the world, those moments of our life are frozen as how we spent them. And they have an eternal, infinite potential. An infinite potential in every moment. Like that shows you how special time is. That I can literally right now say, Alhamdulillah, all praise to Allah, the most high. And that moment is eternally frozen infinitely for good and now i want you to really you want's gonna know it's gonna hurt think about how many infinite moments you've wasted now how many infinite chances you've wasted just like on like nothing and that makes you feel like oh my god what's happening what's happening what's happening the older you get the more you realize how little time and fast time goes the younger you are the more it seems like i got long time to go but, you know, may Allah give us the ability to check our time. Now, why did I like this? Because Ramadan is coming. And so right now, my advice to everyone is just be conscious of how you'll spend your time in that month. Don't overburden yourself. No one's saying that. Don't try to fill it up. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do all. No, just know how it's spent. Now, listen, many of us adults, 
we have to work eight hours a day, right? You ever see Muhammad Ali's explanation for how time goes? Go on YouTube on your drive home. Muhammad Ali explains time, life. Just Google Muhammad Ali, time, life, beautiful. Uh, he says eight hours of our day, sleep, another seven hours work, how many hours eating, how many hours in the bathroom. Before you know it, all you got is like 20 years of actual time to do what you want with. So the point I'm, I'm trying to make is just be cognizant of where your time is going. And if you're at work, here's the key. If you're at work, what do I do? I, I want this to be beneficial. It's all about, and I know it sounds simplistic, but it's not. It's about intention, guys. I know you heard it before, but you got to make it a reality. If your intention in your work is truly to take care of your fam, to look after them, to take care of your well-being, and you truly have that intention, that's all ibadah, but you got to make sure that's your intention. That You got to make sure that, and one of the tests is, Okay, let's leave it at that. Make sure that's your intention. And other than that, man, inshallah, our time will be well spent. Ramadan is coming. Realize the beauty in every moment. Realize the, the, the value of every moment. And don't let time just, just run away. Don't not know where your time was spent. So he says, know where your time goes. I want all of us to look back yesterday and just think to yourself for 10 seconds, 20 seconds, like literal experiment here. How did I spend my time yesterday? 24 hours. How was it spent? And I want all of us for 20 seconds to do this mental exercise. And then I'm going to say something afterward. Just yesterday. From this time, 24 hours back. We actually need more time, but it would get awkward. So I'm not going to do it. <laughs> the point I think you would realize is we really don't know where a lot of it went. We got big pick chunks, but that's 24 hours. You probably can't really account for like maybe 18 of them, maybe more. So the only thing we can do is just become more cognizant of where it's going. And if we build that ability, you'll be way more productive in your life. But more importantly, your relationship with Allah will get, get a lot better. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to fill our time with dhikr. I think a lot of us commute 20 minutes to work at least. That is the most precious time for dhikr, honestly. Seriously, seriously. Especially if your car drives itself a little bit. <laughs> now you can really do some dhikr. That should have been your intention when you got it. <laughs> if it's not, you can make that intention. Um, but please, with, with Ramadan coming, it's it's all about dhikr and cognizance with God. And so may Allah give us the ability to not let our time slip away from us. Um, realizing the infinite potential in every moment, may Allah give us that cognizance and allow us to use it for good. May he, allow, may he forgive us for all of those wasted moments in our lives. May he allow us to have good assumptions of other people. Uh, may he allow us to fight those negative thoughts about other people and just completely shun them away. Um, and may he allow us to reach the blessed month of Ramadan. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiru wa atuhu ilayk. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun alal mursaneen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Assalamu alaikum.